discuss a couple of things that are near and dear to a lot of our hearts um, and some, some difficulty in it. But we're going to, to look at Malachi chapter 2 starting in verse 10 and we're going to read through verse 16. And then we're going to discuss two big things that we find in this text. So Malachi chapter 2 starting in verse 10. I'll give you just a moment to get there. Yeah, find Matthew, go back one. And this is what the Bible says. Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless. And an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless. Though she is your companion and your wife by covenant, did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Here it is. Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit And let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. So we're going to discuss two big things here. Because in this particular passage, this section of scripture, we see faithless or unfaithful, depending on your translation, multiple times. I want to first start by telling you that you and I are called to live faithful lives. We are called to be faithful. First and foremost, faithful to the Lord. You are called to live faithful to Him. And then we are called to live faithful to one another. So it is my responsibility to be faithful to the Lord and then be faithful to my spouse and then be faithful to my kids and be faithful to my friends and faithful to my church family. It's my responsibility to always be faithful faithful. So in this particular text, we see how the people were unfaithful to God and then how they were unfaithful or faithless to one another. So what we're going to do is we're going to discuss these for just a moment and then we're going to look at a couple of things that you and I can do to remain faithful to the Lord and then also remain faithful to each other. So we see right out of the gate that Judah has been faithless and an abomination has been committed. And we actually see that they have profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, which is marriage. Marriage is loved and blessed and gifted to us by God. It is a gift. But here is what Judah did. Judah begins to marry pagan women. Marrying people that do not love the Lord. There are numerous accounts throughout the Old Testament of God's people marrying pagan people or unbelieving people, people that did not worship or serve or love the Lord. And it never ended well. 
two big cases that you can think of probably right off the top of your head is there was a woman by the name of Jezebel. Anybody remember that? She was crazy, right? And, and she wanted to kill Elijah, God's prophet. And then you might think of Samson. Remember Samson, how he found this woman? What was her name? Delilah, right? And then they wrote a song about her. Hey, uh, what's it like to cut my hair? And, uh, or something along those lines. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, Delilah cut Samson's hair. Samson's hair was to never be cut. But he did because he was so enticed by this woman. And and here is the gist. Here is what God desires for us. To be faithful to him, we are to marry people that love him. That is what God desires of us. Because God's desire is for us to not just marry these people that love him, but in verse 15 we see what God desires in return. Godly offspring. God desires for me to marry a spouse, which I did, that loves him. Therefore, when we have children, they are godly children. That is what God desires. And throughout the Old Testament, you see time after time after time where God's children did not marry godly people, and those godly people rebelled against God time after time after time. And God is protecting us as he guards us and tells us to guard ourselves that we should marry people that love and worship, serve him. He desires that our marriages worship him, that we deserve him together, that we worship him together, love him together, and so on. So now let me just address two different types of people in this room. Now it's really easy for me to tell you, marry somebody that loves the Lord, because I did. And my life is pretty easy in that way. Michaela and I love the Lord. We pray together, we read together, we study together, we equip our kids together, like we worship together. That's, that's easy for me to say, but there are some in here that's not. So here's the thing, if you're single, okay, if you're single, meaning not married, even though I don't care if you're dating or not, if you are not married, you should only look for someone that loves the Lord. Okay, I don't care how pretty they are, I don't care how good they smell, I don't care how romantic they text you, I don't care how sweet they may appear. If they do not love the Lord, you should very, very carefully avoid them. Okay? Now, you might say, well, I'm going to change them. You're probably not. Okay? Let's just face it. You're probably not. Um, What I want you to do is I want you to find the lesson learned here by the people of Judah when they were chasing people that did not love the Lord. So I plead with you, if you are single, if you are looking for that perfect one to complete you, they're not out there. Only the Lord can complete you. So it's your responsibility to marry someone or date someone. We don't just date to have fun. We don't just date to to say, I got a boyfriend or a girlfriend. We date someone that is going to edify us in the Lord. So here's what I want you to remember. That our happiness is not the most important thing in the universe. Did you know that? Your happiness is not the most important thing in the universe. What God's desires for you, that's the most important thing in your life. So whenever we date, whenever we marry, we don't just marry because they make us happy and they make us feel good. Uh, We marry because they make us holy. And it's nice to have an attractive, smart, you know, educated or hardworking spouse that also loves the Lord, but it is our responsibility to learn from these people that we should look for others that are holy, 
Look for others that love the Lord. Secondly, if you are married and you are married to an unbeliever, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we see that you are to remain in that and pray for those people that God would draw them to himself. So we see in marriage, we see in dating, we see that God desires that in our marriages that we love, worship, and serve the Lord together. So if you are dating, he better do it and she better do it. If not, I, I encourage you to maybe avoid that particular person, regardless of how good they make you feel, regardless of how big they smile at you, regardless of how sweet they talk to you. Avoid them. Your happiness is not the most important thing. Your holiness is. So if you're single and you don't find someone that loves the Lord, don't feel like just because I'm single, I'm second best now, and, and I'm, God doesn't love me as much. No, what's most important is that you remain faithful in whatever stage of life you are in. So if you're married and they're an unbeliever, you remain faithful to the Lord, you pray for that particular person so that God would draw them to himself. If you're single, you just stay single and be faithful in it, knowing that one of these days God may send that perfect one, but you stay faithful. So now we move on to how they were unfaithful to one another. So we first see that they're marrying pagan people. Now we see that they are divorcing these people that they married. So if we could, let's go over to verse 13, and this is what Malachi says. And the second thing that you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and your wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless. Though she is your companion and your wife by covenant, did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit. Let none of you be faithful or faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit. So now we move on to how people are unfaithful to one another. Let me just... Let me just say this. Divorce is never God's design. Now, there are certain, cer- certain circumstances where there is scriptural support for divorce, such as abandonment, abuse, or infidelity. If we find ourselves in those particular situations, we are not mandated to remain there. So we have means for divorce. But if you find yourself in a marriage that is difficult, or you might even find yourself bored in marriage, let me plead with you to repent and call upon the Lord. Let me just say this. Marriage is never promised to be easy. It's not. Now, the next point is, marriage can be difficult. Who's brave enough to say amen to that? Huh? Amen. <laughs> marriage can be difficult. However, marriage is a beautiful gift given to us by God. Marriage should be taking, taken very serious. So whenever we started this, we see that Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, which is merit, marriage and the covenant between a husband and a wife. Marriage is hard. You know, marriage isn't like when we're dating and you see the best of that person for a few hours and then you go home and then you can be the real you for a little while and then you, then you see them again and you dress up. No, no, you get the real them all the time, right? Sometimes I wonder like, man, 
I, I'm with Michaela like every single day. She has to deal with me every single day. You have to deal with each other every single day. There's days where I just want to run and hide and just be alone, right? There's days where she wants to just get away. But marriage isn't always easy. Marriage isn't always perfect. It's not all that you see in the movies. There's days where marriage is difficult, but it never gives us justification to neglect our responsibility in marriage. Just because marriage is hard, it does not give you the justification to look elsewhere for anything else. And now here's the, the thing. This, our enemy, the devil, is going to do everything he can to break up your marriage because that's what he desires. He does not desire for you and your spouse to push through the difficulties of life, push through the difficulties that happen within a marriage, and continue to worship the Lord together. He wants you to to find yourselves at a point in time where marriage is hard, life is hard, and it's challenging to stay faithful. And, And what he wants you to do is he wants you to always think that the grass is greener somewhere else. Well, I'll feel a bit more appreciated over here. Well, they'll care for me more over there. Or I feel better whenever this person makes me feel good. Let me just plead with you. If you find yourself in a difficult season in your marriage, just know that it does not give you justification to look elsewhere for anything else. Just because marriage is hard, we do not have a means for divorce. Now, again, the devil is going to do everything he can to remind you that the grass is greener elsewhere. But guess what? The devil is a liar and a deceiver. And he will try and manipulate you and deceive you into believing that. And that's what is happening in the people of Malachi's day. They're marrying people that don't worship the Lord, and then they're divorcing those people. And God is telling them, not only did you profane my sanctuary when you married someone that didn't love me, but now you're even going a step further, and you're divorcing these people and being faithless to them. So you and I are called to be faithful, even if it's hard, even if things are a little rough at times, even if there are sleepless nights, even if there are silent treatments. Even if there are nights on the couch or in the other room, does not give you a means to disrespect your spouse or to neglect the responsibility that you have. See, what we see in America today and what we see around the world is that marriage is taken very lightly. Marriage is to be respected and honored, honored highly. It is considered a sanctuary by God. That they have profaned the sanctuary, a holy place, In God's sight, my marriage is to be taken in the highest regard because it is the most reflective relationship that I will ever see on this earth between Christ and me as his bride. It is the relationship that God has gifted to me to get just a glimpse into the sacrifice, into the love, into the servanthood that takes place between Christ as the groom and me as his bride or us as a church as his bride. Marriage is extremely serious. Marriage is to be honored as such. So whenever things are hard, we don't just give up and quit. Whenever things are rough, we don't just give up and quit. When things seem greener elsewhere, we don't just run to the greener pastures because, like I said, the devil is a liar and he will deceive you. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to be reminded of the spouse that God has given. So if you're in here and you're single, just know that one of these days it might be you. Finding someone that you say I do to, that when we say I do, it is literally a holy covenant in the presence of God. That it is not just me saying I do because married people do married people things and and then we're excited about that for a little while and then life gets hard. No, no, no. It is a holy covenant. This is why the Bible is clear when it discusses 
living before marriage together or premarital sex or anything like that. Marriage is to be taken serious. It is to be held in the highest regard. Other than our relationship with Christ, if you are married, that is the most important thing, person, relationship that we can ever have on the earth. It is to be honored. It is to be respected. It isn't to just be thrown away if it's hard. It isn't just to be thrown down the drain because someone else makes me feel better or makes me smile more. Here's what I would say, is that brokenness in our relationship with God will lead to brokenness in our relationship with others. So if you find yourself in a difficult season of marriage, or maybe you're good right now, and then one of these days you find yourself there, let me plead with you to ensure that your relationship with Christ is healthy. Because if that is unhealthy, your relationship with other people will be unhealthy. And then what you will find is you will find yourself looking elsewhere. You will find yourself tempted in every way. And the devil will do everything he can to break up the holy covenant between you and that person. So if you are here and you have said, I do, and you are sitting next to that person, let me remind you that this is a battle. Let me remind you that that person, I like to think of James chapter 1, verse 17, that every good and perfect gift comes from above. I consider my wife to be a good and perfect gift. Is she perfect? By no means. Am I perfect? By no means. But my wife, my spouse, is a good and perfect gift from above. It is my responsibility to cherish her, to lead her, to nurture her, to love her, provide for her all that she needs, as she does for me. Provide for me what I need to love me and to nurture me and to honor me and all of these things. You know, I once heard a pastor say it would just be easier if, if wives would just obey the scriptures and submit. <laughs> Amen. I think we get in on that one. I think we just end on that. But let me remind you that this is a battle. You have been entrusted with God's child to live with, to lead, to nurture. But most importantly, as Francis Chan says, his responsibility as a husband is to ensure that that wife of his, his wife's name is Lisa, when she dies, she is prepared to see the Lord. Have you ever considered the fact that that person that you said I do to will stand before the Lord one day, just as you will, and it is your responsibility as that person's spouse to prepare them for that moment? One of these days, one of us is going to go first, Michaela or me, and shame on me if I do not prepare my wife for that moment. Shame on me if I don't lead my wife in such a way and honor her in such a way that when she stands before the Lord one day, she isn't prepared. So here's what I want you to do. If you're single, I want you to remain faithful in your singleness. If you're divorced or going through difficulties, I I encourage you to be faithful to the Lord through those hardships. In both of those cases, I encourage you to cling to your church family that will wrap their arms around you and build you up in the Lord. To find people that you can trust to grow you in your faith, even through difficulty, to grow you in your relationship with Christ, even though you feel abandoned or completely alone. And if you are married here, I want you to look at that person and be reminded of the good and perfect gift that God has given to you, even if they haven't been behaving very good lately, even if they haven't been as loving as they should have been lately, even if they aren't as graceful or merciful as they have been or should be. I want to be just reminding you for a moment that that person 
has been gifted to you by God. Therefore, you should cherish them in that way. Do not neglect the responsibility that you have as a husband or wife. Do not forget that your responsibility is to equip that person, edify that person, and build that person up. Because here is what they did. They profaned the sanctuary by marrying people not from God's people. And then they profaned the sanctuary by just casting it aside because life was hard. So if I could do one thing today, I want to remind all of us of the sanctity of marriage. The holiness that should be pursued in our marriages. That you and I marry not to be happy, but to be holy. And to be made more and more like Christ. I don't care how good they make you feel, we are to be holy. And lastly, if things get hard, it doesn't mean we just throw it away. It doesn't mean we just move on. It doesn't mean we just cast everything aside. It doesn't mean that the grass is always greener. That you and I are to navigate those seasons and being faithful to one another. And if we find ourselves in broken relationships, it could be a telling sign that our relationship with Christ is fractured. And it is our responsibility to ensure that we are living in repentance and walking in step with His Spirit and surrendering ourselves fully to Him. And everything else will overflow from that. So at this time, I want to remind all of us that you and I are to live faithful. In those six verses that we just read, we see faithless or unfaithful numerous times. But you and I are called to remain faithful at all times and to hold our marriages in the highest regard and to know that God desires from us as husband and wife to worship Him, serve Him, love Him, and offer and sacrifice to Him together. So here's what I want you to do. As we pray... I want you to do one of two things. If you are single here, meaning not married, whether you're dating or not, I want you to seek the Lord and ask him to give you the wisdom to find that one or to pursue that one, but to constantly be reminded that you are to be faithful in your singleness. Singleness isn't second best. Faithfulness is best at all times. But if you are married here, I want you, as we pray, to first... Thank the Lord for that spouse. And secondly, seek the Lord in how you can love, lead, nurture, and cherish that spouse in greater ways so that your marriage will be a reflection of the relationship that Christ has with his bride, which is all of us. Let's pray.